The three things I'm most excited to see in the Alamo Bowl are... You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet online where the game starts. The three things I'm most excited to see in the Alamo Bowl on Thursday night are first, a month removed from the season. How much growth has Quinn Ewer shown at the quarterback position? Secondly, with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson opting out, it's our first chance to see the future of the running back position at the 40 acres. And Jonathan Brooks, your future running back one. I'm excited to see him in a full-time role. And last but not least, this Texas defense has a very tough chance going up against the FBS leader in passing yards this year and Michael Penix Jr. for the Washington Huskies. Some very interesting matchups on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. We talk about all of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns. First, we get into Quinn Ewers, right? The mullet, the golden boy, one of the most heralded prospects to ever come out of high school, not only in the state of Texas, but in the country, period. And all of the hype and hoopla surrounding Quinn Ewers, in my opinion, was justified based on what he put on tape at South Lake Carroll. Based on what you saw at South Lake Carroll, you thought that Quinn Ewers had a chance to be the next elite quarterback in college football. And so after South Lake Carroll, he foregoes his senior year, right? Commits to the University of Texas, decommits, breaks our hearts, goes to Ohio State. That experience doesn't work out. And he transfers back to the University of Texas, where he originally committed. And after a long offseason, Quinn Ewers was named the starter. And the story of Quinn Ewers in the 2022 season can be told in two different parts. Now, overall, in the 2022 season, in I guess eight games in a quarter, a little more than eight games, Quinn Ewers threw for 1,800 yards, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions, and completed 57% of his passes. Speaking for myself, I thought Quinn Ewers would be a lot better this year, especially based on what we saw in the first three games. And like I said, you could separate his season into two parts, the first three games and the last six games. Because against ULM, Alabama, and Oklahoma, we saw flashes of the player that we thought Quinn Ewers could be. And in my opinion, he was not only meeting expectations, but he was exceeding expectations. ULM, it was whatever he played, I guess, two and some changed quarters. But against Alabama in the first quarter, he goes 9 of 12 for 134 yards and looks like the best player on the field. Gets hurt, comes back, you know, shows no rust against Oklahoma, is one of the driving forces to beating your biggest rival 49 to 0. And after that game, at that point, we felt like, based on what we saw from Quinn Ewers and the rest of this Texas football team, that there was nobody that could stop Texas from making and possibly winning the Big 12 championship game. And based on the growth and development we thought we had already saw from Quinn Ewers, we thought that next year it would be a no brainer that Texas would be the favorites to be the big 12 championship big 12 champions and possibly make their first college football playoff appearance with Quinn Ewers in the second year of the system and then the next six games happen and at times over that six games Quinn Ewers looked completely unrecognizable there were times over that last six games where you could have made the argument that Hudson Card would have been a better option than Quinn Ewers and I think there's a variety of reasons for Quinn Ewers struggle over struggles over the last six games. 
I think one thing that was very clear was that Quinn Ewers lost confidence, right? That moxie and that magic that we saw in the first three games completely disappeared over the last six games, right? Sue, I think that there were times where he too often relied on arm talent rather than, you know, the fundamentals of the quarterback position, right? Footwork and mechanics that allow you to be accurate and effective at the quarterback position. I think three, you have to place some blame on Steve Sarkeesian, who was the play caller of this offense, right? With the young quarterback, did he call plays in a manner that made his young quarterback comfortable, right? Did he focus too often on the deep shots and trying to stretch the field instead of giving Quinn Ewers some layups, right? In the short and intermediate areas of the field to get your young quarterback comfortable. And then once he's comfortable, start taking those shots deeper down the field, right? Did Steve Sarkeesian do Quinn Ewers justice as a play caller in the last six games to get the most out of him, right? I think you can, you know, say no at times, right? And then maybe too often Quinn Ewers was locking on to his first read. Maybe too often Quinn Ewers was locking on to Xavier Worthy, right? When it wasn't there, we saw in the Oklahoma State game where he was targeted 17 times and had four catches, I believe. And, you know, too often there were deep shots to Xavier Worthy that just wasn't there, right? The deep ball really wasn't there all season. And so I think all of these things contributed to Quinn Ewers' struggles in his first season. And although Quinn Ewers wasn't nearly as good as I thought he would be this season, right? And the last six games were a clear stretch from what we saw in the first three games, Texas still improved from five and seven to eight and four. And Texas has a chance to win nine games in Quinn Ewers redshirt freshman year. And he still has a chance with another full off season of growth and development to be that quarterback that everybody thought he would be coming out of South Lake Carroll in year two of Sark system, which we know is complicated and can be tough for first year quarterbacks. Right. And we're coming up on a first year. I mean, a full year in the system for Quinn Ewers so maybe that growth and development that we thought we saw earlier in the season is coming back and maybe Quinn Ewers who like I said at times was unrecognizable in the last six games will be a bona fide superstar next year but for me next year starts on Thursday night against the Washington Huskies because if next season is big 12 championship or bust for the Texas Longhorns then it's time right now for Quinn Ewers to show us that he is who we thought he was. And if next year is 10 wins or bust for the Texas Longhorns, right? Assuming they play in 14 games, the big 12 championship game and a bowl game, hopefully. Then it's time right now for Quinn Ewers to show us that he is who we thought he was because the first game of next season, they're going to play against rice. And although they have JT Daniels now, right? His fourth collegiate stop. I don't envision rice really putting up a challenge against the Texas Longhorns. So this game against Washington is the last game we get to see Quinn Ewers in real action before this team travels to Tuscaloosa next year to play Alabama on the road. And I know they're going to be missing Will Anderson. I know they're going to be missing Bryce Young, but don't get it twisted. This is still Nick Saban. This is still Alabama. It's still one of the best teams in the country, and it's going to be a hell of a test for the Texas Longhorns, right? And so I know that, you know, Quinn Ewers struggled this year and you could chalk that up to him being a redshirt freshman and we can assume that the growth and development will be there just because he'll be older and have more experience in Sark system right but if next year is the year for the Texas Longhorns then Quinn Ewers is going to have to be one of the biggest reasons that that happens right if Texas is big 12 championship or bust next year Quinn Ewers has to be one of the driving forces for that. If next year is double-digit wins or bust for the Texas Longhorns, Quinn Ewers has to be one of the driving forces for that. And to me, that growth and development that we're assuming Quinn Ewers will have 
after a month removed from the season with a month to prepare for this Washington team, we should start to see that growth and development on Thursday night. And if the Texas Longhorns are going to beat the Washington Huskies, Quinn Ewers is going to have to be one of the biggest reasons, right? And so if next year is the year for the Texas Longhorns, that's going to be on the shoulders, literally, of Quinn Ewers. And to me, next year starts on Thursday night with how this team plays against the Washington Huskies. And the biggest reason that Texas will win if they win on Thursday night is going to be on the shoulders, once again, literally, of Quinn Ewers. A quick word from Bet Online, And then next, we're going to talk about Jonathan Brooks, the next running back one at the 40 acres betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college ball season to basketball and the world cup we've got it all at betonline.net if you love sports podcasts you can even find those at betonline as well we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts so coming into this Alamo Bowl, right, we likely knew that Roshan Johnson and B. John Robinson wouldn't be competing. They would opt out of this bowl in preparation for the NFL draft. And they both confirmed that with their announcements that they would be opting out and declaring. And so the future, Jonathan Brooks, running back one, who a lot of people have been excited about, right, based on what he did in high school and based on what he's done in his limited opportunities at the University of Texas, this is our first chance to see the future of the running back position, uh, the storied running back position at the University of Texas at the 40 acres. And I'm very excited to see Jonathan Brooks in a starting role, right? And although, you know, Cedric Baxter and uh, Keelan Robinson and then maybe Jaden Blue and Trey Weisner at times are going to be factors in the offense next year, I think that Jonathan Brooks is going to be your bell cap, right? And so this is our first time to see him in a starting role, our first time to see a preview of what next season is going to look like a little bit at the running back position. Now, losing B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are huge losses on the field, but also off the field from a leadership standpoint, right? And I think that Jonathan Brooks, maybe not necessarily from a leadership standpoint, but definitely on the field, is going to have to try, right, to make it a smooth transition from one of the best running backs the 40 Acres has ever seen in B. John Robinson to Jonathan Brooks himself, right? Especially in a year that we've deemed as the year, right, next year, as I talked about in the last segment with Quinn Ewers. But based on what Jonathan Brooks has shown us in limited opportunities, I think he's more than capable of being the next great running back at the University of Texas. So in two seasons, Jonathan Brooks has 322 yards and five touchdowns on only 45 carries. I'm going to say that again. In two seasons at the 40 acres, Jonathan Brooks has 322 yards and five touchdowns on only 45 carries, averaging a whopping 7.2 yards per carry. He is really good. And in high school, he was even better, right? He put up Derrick Henry numbers. If you're not familiar, look at this. So at Hallettsville High School, right, his senior season, this is just his senior season, 3,849 yards from scrimmage and 65 offensive touchdowns. 70 touchdowns total that is the future of the running back position at the 40 acres and i can't wait and i think jonathan brooks when you watch him he just has such an aesthetically pleasing running style right and i think he's perfect for what kyle flood and uh, steve sarkeesian and tashara choice want to do with this power running game because he's a no-nonsense runner right every time you see him get the ball right all 45 of those carries he just right 
packs the hole immediately, right? He gets downhill. He doesn't waste any steps, right? And, you know, we talked a lot. I love B.J. Robinson to death, but you see it with a lot of running backs, kind of that dancing in the backfield, that indecision, right? You don't see that from Jonathan Brooks, right? And that's what you need in this power run offense that Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood have deployed, right? You need somebody that's going to get downhill and attack the hole immediately, right? And you see that on tape with Jonathan Brooks. He's a very decisive runner, right? Get downhill, attack the hole, and get a positive gain, right? And then with Jonathan Brooks, I think what makes him a great running back as well is that he has exceptional vision, right? And I don't think that can be taken for granted when you talk about running backs because, you know, some running backs just take the ball and just jump in there, right? They just get in there. But I think that while simultaneously not wasting any steps and while simultaneously being a downhill runner, right, a no-nonsense runner, Jonathan Brooks still somehow always finds the right hole, right? And then he's just so fluid in his movements that he can effortlessly make people miss in traffic, right? And then I think he has an effortless ability to break tackles as well, right? He's plenty of times in those 45 carries where people just seem to bounce off of him. Like he kind of has that balance similar to an Alvin Kamara, right? Where you can hit him with all your might, right? You can hit him with all your force or you can, you know, feel like you're tackling him and then you just bounce off of him and he stays running at full speed. And then, like I said, not only does he have the ability to break tackles, but he also has the speed to take off on you take off on you in the open field as well so there's just so many things about Jonathan Brooks that make him special right that vision that his ability to get downhill you know at times it looks like he's just skating with his footwork and his movement you know in the trenches and um, he's an explosive runner too we saw him with a 70-yard touchdown run uh, against the Kansas Jayhawks so that is the future of the running back position and we know like I said the, the running back position is storied at the University of Texas and I'm not sure if Jonathan Brooks will etch his name into that B. John Robinson, you know, Cedric Benson, Jamal Charles, Earl Campbell tier at the University of Texas. But I think he's a very good running back and a running back that I'm very confident in being the starter next year in a year that so many people have high expectations for this Texas team and this Texas team will have high expectations for themselves. And, you know, like I said, you're bringing in the number one, number one running back in the country and Cedric Baxter next year. Keelan Robinson is a very talented playmaker in the receiving and running game. There will be big factors of this offense next year. But when you talk about the bell cow, you talk about who's going to get the most carries in this offense next year. You talk about who you're going to lean on the most in this running game. That's going to be the player named Jonathan Brooks, right? Number 24 at the running back position. And Thursday night against the Washington Huskies is our first chance to see him in a full-time role. Losing Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson are big losses on and off the field. But I believe on the field, the Texas Longhorns are in good hands. And number 24, Jonathan Brooks at the running back position. Quick word from the Longhorn real estate team. And then we talk about this defense and the tough challenge they have going against one of the best quarterbacks in the country in Michael Penix Jr. Dwell in Austin and Hill Country Mortgages have combined to make your Longhorn real estate team. If all your real estate needs in the Austin area, please visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com because in a changing, more complex market, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin. Our data and information-driven approach gives our clients a significant advantage. Decades of experience in all market conditions make us able to achieve the best results for our clients and our clients for years have outperformed the market leveraging our proprietary research information and expertise, which is now more important than ever. For all your real estate needs, you need to work with the top professionals in Austin, and they can be found at the Longhorn Real Estate Team. Please visit www.longhornrealestateteam.com. Hill Country Mortgages, LLC, NMLS 2324262. Jonathan Sarver, NMLS 993872. 
equal housing opportunity. So I've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how this Texas defense did a complete 180 from 2021, right? Where in 2021, you felt like this Texas defense was holding the offense back. In 2022, this Texas defense in most games was a strength for this Texas team. And at times you can say carried the offense right throughout the season. And they face a very tough test, right? It's going to be a very interesting matchup going against the FBS leader in passing yards this year, right? Michael Penix Jr. threw for 4,300 yards in 12 games this year, leading Washington to a 10-2 record. And looking at their schedule, their two losses to UCLA and Arizona State, there's a very realistic chance that if they took care of business, I think they lost to UCLA by three points and lost to Washington, I mean, excuse me, Arizona State by seven points. This team very well could have, you know, competed for a playoff spot in a Pac-12 champion, right, if they just take care of business in one of those games. So this is a very tough Washington team and a, a very interesting, you know, matchup for the Texas Longhorns. And I think a really good test uh, going into the 2023 season, right, to see where this Texas Longhorns team is, I guess, currently, you know, going into next year. And like I said, Michael Penix Jr. is one of the most, well, he was the most proficient passer in college football this year in terms of passing yards, right, passing for over 300 yards and, 10 of his 12 games this season. I think one game he had like 298 yards. So pretty much in 11 or 12 games, he threw for over 300 yards this year, right? And when you look at it, Texas was 89th in pass defense, right? So on paper, you would say that that is a bad matchup for the Texas Longhorns, right? Going against the most proficient passer in college football this year, passing yardage-wise. And Texas was 89th in pass defense overall, and they allowed four 300-yard passers in 12 games. So one out of every three games, they allowed a 300-yard passer. Now, when I tell you the names of the 300-yard passers they allowed, you might get a little queasy. Donovan Smith, Spencer Sanders, Adrian Martinez, and Hunter Deckers. All four of those quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards against the Texas Longhorns. I'm going to burst your bubble right now and say Michael Penix Jr. is probably a little bit better than all four of those quarterbacks, right? <laughs> now, the silver lining is that outside of those four 300-yard passing games that Texas allowed, they only allowed one more quarterback to go over 250 passing yards, which was JT Daniels, I think, at 253 this year. You could say that the best quarterbacks they faced this year in Bryce Young and Max Duggan were both held under 250 passing yards. And so I think that the Texas defense, not sure if you can hold Michael Penix Jr. to under 250 passing yards, but I think they're going to have to play to the level that they did in the TCU game, the Alabama game. In the Oklahoma game, not saying they're going to shut out Washington, but play to that level defensively to ensure Texas a chance to win this game. Because with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, albeit running backs, they're two of your most explosive players. With them opting out of this bowl game, right, I don't think that you want to get into a shootout, right? And with Michael Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers. And with DeMarvion Overshone opting out, one of your best defensive players, this game not turning into a shootout and Washington not scoring a whole bunch of points, that becomes a lot harder, right? And so if this Texas defense can keep Washington, I guess, contained, right? Not necessarily stop them, but keep them contained and keep this game from turning into a shootout, then I think Texas can come in with their philosophy of power run, play action, and then take the opportunities that are given outside of that 
with the box stack to stop the run and then opportunities on the outside. So if the Texas defense can keep this game or keep this game from getting out of hand, right, and keep this from turning into a shootout between Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix Jr., then I think Texas has every opportunity in the world to win this game, and they should. But if this Texas defense can't stop Michael Penix Jr., this 89th pass defense that allowed four passers that are not as good as Michael Penix Jr. to throw for 300 yards this year, if they can't stop Michael Penix Jr. and he throws a party like he did in, I guess, what, 10 of his 12 games this year, and it comes down to a shootout between Quinn Ewers and Michael Penix Jr., based on what we've seen thus far, that might be advantage Huskies. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked on Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics. More analysis and coverage of Texas and Washington and the Alamo Bowl coming all week, including a recap on the game on Friday. Hook them.